I am so honored to bring to the platform tonight my dear friend. He's a friend of the house. You guys know him and his wonderful wife, Pastor Sue. Uh, they pastor one of the most dynamic churches in Kentucky called Life in Christ Church. If you live in the area, find it, drive to it, stay. I'm, I'm telling you, stay just completely absorbed in that atmosphere. There's a revival atmosphere there. I love this man deeply. Would you help me welcome Pastor Chris McDonald, Life in Christ, Marion, Kentucky. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How does it feel to have your boot on the devil's neck? Feels pretty good. Amen. Boy, I feel faith in this room. I'm supposed to share my testimony, but it's going to be hard to not preach a faith sermon. I can just tell you, you can feel faith in this room. I feel miracles happening in this room. He's right when he says people are going to be delivered. Whatever you need from God, you can get it tonight. Whatever you need, you hook your faith to God and you'll get it tonight. Whatever, you say, well, I've been waiting for years. The wait is over. The wait is over. Amen. Amen. Well, you can be seated if you can. You know, it's going to be a good night when the preacher brings his own modesty cloth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I do want to say how grateful I am to be here, how honored and humbled. And, uh, you know, being here is like walking in the deep end of the pool. And, uh, man, I, I'm just so grateful these men and women on the front row and what you mean to our life and what you've put in our life and poured into our life and uh, man I, we're so we've been so changed by what's going on in this house and the people that are connected to this house I, I remember the first time I walked up here just to kind of say hi and give us some kind of testimony and I said then, I said, if you go here, don't take this place for granted. And that thought has never changed in me. You know, you can go to a lot of great places and start to take them for granted because you've been there for a while. Don't take this place for granted. It's something very special. Now, I'm sure there's people here that represent churches that are just like that. And if your people are with you, don't take that place for granted. That place is somewhere where your family got put together. It's somewhere where you got delivered. It's somewhere where your whole life changed. Don't take it for granted. Don't, don't get so used to your surroundings that it becomes old hat, if you will. Tonight when we're in the back praying and taking communion, man, I just come unwound because I was remembering every step I made down an aisle to give my life to Jesus. And I felt all the pain I felt. <laughs> Man, I wasn't going to do this. I felt all the pain I felt in that moment. And I, I want to, I'll share that with you in a here in a minute, but f first I got I to gotta deal with this. Katie, would you come here, please? trying to think of the date. It was June 15th or June 16th. I was mow. I like to mow. 
I used to hate mowing. It was such a distraction. And then I realized that my wife's love language was acts of service, and so if the yard looked real good, you know. So I fell in love with mowing. <laughs> Amen. People say, you know, you could get one of those mowers that mows by itself. Nope. So anyway, I, I, I mowed. On that day, I was mowing, and I, and I pray in the Spirit while I'm mowing. What else are you going to do? And so we have another piece of property I was mowing, and I'm just mowing along. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Man, I'm having a good time. And uh, the Lord brought you right up in front of me. And uh, then he started showing me what he wanted me to do. So just bear with me. And he started telling me about dreams you've had in your heart that nobody knows. And he knows every one of them. And many of those dreams you've prayed in the spirit and that's been expressed to him in the spirit. Can someone hold this microphone for just a minute? I don't really know what I'm doing. I just know what the Lord showed me. Now, I need, I need, just give me, just 10 women, hurry. Just 10 women, 10 or 15 or whatever, just run up here. Start walking, start walking, start walking, start walking. Now, there will be many women that dress like this that you'll lead out of that bondage. Now, I want you to turn around, look. I want you to turn around, look. I want you to turn around, look. There are going to be many women that you're going to lead out of bondage. You'll be able to go into places that no one else can go. God's going to do things for you that you could never do on your own. He's going to open up places to you that you could never get in or that you could never open up. And God's going to make a way for you. He'll show you. You'll know it. It'll be, so, it'll be so plain to you. And other people, there will be other people, even in this moment, there are people who think that'll never happen. But I'm telling you, by the authority of Jesus, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Don't get rid of this. You keep this. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Poor devil. Let's just talk about him for a minute. 
He's a bum. You know that? He is a defeated, powerless, thumbless, toeless bum. Now, religious people say, oh, you better watch it. You'll make him mad. I'm making offers that he can't refuse. I don't care how mad he gets. Here's what you need to understand. If you know who you are in Christ, it doesn't matter how mad you think he may get, you know your foot's still on his neck. He has no authority over you. He has no power over you. Sickness has no authority over you. Disease has no authority over you. Addiction has no authority over you. Depression has no authority over you. Fear has no authority over you. Anything that came from the pit of hell has no authority over you unless you give it authority. Amen. I feel like we're off to a pretty good start. Amen. Brother Doug, I saw the testimony four, four or five weeks ago where you took that cloth. The little girl got hurt in an accident. You took the cloth and it was a bad, bad injury. She gets healed. Boom. Why? Because somebody believed what God said. That's why. Listen, we don't have a think so, hope so kind of God. We got a I know so kind of God. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, give him glory in this place. He's worthy. I said he's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive your miracle right now. Glory to God. Can you get a miracle in the water? Absolutely. Why? Because that's where people can connect their faith. Can you get a miracle here? Yes. Can you get a miracle in a barn? Yes. You can get a miracle anywhere you can believe God. Amen. I know my face is red. If you don't know me, it gets red. I don't understand it. I'm not mad, I promise. It's like a turkey's head. It just gets red, then it goes to a different color. I don't understand it. It is what it is, I guess. Amen. Well, I'll give you a little bit of my testimony. Uh, I grew up in a small town. I don't know. It was small. I, was, I think I was 18 when we got a, we, we got a caution light in town. We were amazed. So that, that gives you an idea how small the town was. So, uh, you know, I had good parents and uh, they went to church some when I was a real small child. And then for whatever reason, they quit going to church. Now, I don't know, you know, I don't know the reason. I don't know if it was church hurt. Listen, can I just tell you, that's like the dumbest excuse. Look, all the people on the front row, they know what to say and when to say it. I just say it, and I don't know if it's right or not. That's just a dumb excuse to not go to church. Yeah, yeah. We'll pat a cake on that one, because, you know, I used to run around with people, and you'd get in a fist fight and get back in the same vehicle with them and drive off. 
He didn't talk about no hurt. He didn't talk about no. I'm just trying to get you to think because people say, oh, I've been hurt in church. Like physically or your feelings? You say, you hurt my feelings just then. Okay, get over it. I still love you and you gotta love me to go to heaven, so get over it. <laughs> Amen. I, I've been hurt so bad in church. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you something. I could find every pastor in this room and bring them up on this platform and every one of them would tell you how they've been hurt in church. But guess what we do? Walk back to the pulpit and do what we've been commissioned to do, which is to make the devil pay that he ever did what he did and to glorify Jesus and to get people in contact with him. Amen. All right. So I don't know if that's why they left, but I kind of think it was by the way I heard them talking. So my dad, uh, my dad worked on a drill rig and when I was probably mm, 10, maybe, he started traveling all the time. And so the, what they were doing around where we lived dried up. The spar industry, I don't know if you've ever heard of Fleur Spar. The greatest Fleur Spar in the world comes from right where we live. Only now, they get it from another country where it's dirt cheap and they can buy it. And so it just dried up there where we live. And so he started traveling. He was gone all the time. Well, that was like, that was a major shock to me because they'd always been in the home. And, uh, so I, you know, it was kind of hard to deal with. So he would be gone two or three weeks at a time. He'd be home for three or four days and then he'd be gone again, so on and so forth. Fast forward, I'm about 15 and a lot has went on now in the home. And uh, please understand, I'm not disrespecting my parents. All right. Uh, my mother had a nervous breakdown and uh, I don't know if anybody's ever lived through any of that, but man, it was rough. And uh, they had her on all kinds of pills and, you know, it, it was just not good. And she started becoming someone I didn't know. And so my dad's gone and it's me. And I get to be you know, I get to be the one that's done everything wrong, all right? Not looking for pity, I'm just telling you. He wanted, to know, he wanted you to hear my testimony, so you're gonna hear it. So I go to a neighbor's house one day, and I would find excuses to just stay with people. I would just be like, hey, I'm gonna go stay all night with so-and-so. Well, once I got there, I'm trying to put roots down because I don't wanna go back home. Like, I don't wanna go be in that because nothing's ever good enough. And so... I go to a neighbor's house, I'm 15 years old, and this was not the first time I drank, but it was the first time I'd ever been drunk. And I said, okay, I can come down here. I see Bishop running laps down here, so. So that was the first time I ever, I, that I ever got drunk, 15. And so I walk back home, and I'm thinking, I'm gonna do that again. Because it, it kinda, just like what the brother was just saying, 
you think it's peace, but it's not. It's a trap the enemy's luring you into to kill you. That was at 15. Somehow, you know, if you want to sin and die, you can find a way. So that just, that progressed. That becomes something that was very regular. And, you know, people say, I don't know how a 15 or 16-year-old gets alcohol. Yeah, because people don't always follow the law. You know, and we had bootleggers. I'm sure they don't have those in Georgia, but, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> so that that continued. Now it's getting, you know, it's getting out of hand. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm just out of control. And I don't, I don't want to give you all the gory, but I'm out of control. I, I'm doing things grown men shouldn't be doing. And I'm 16, 17, 18 just wide open for the enemy. And there was a point in that, mm, about 17, and uh, man, this is, I, I want to share this because I, I feel like it's very important for someone to hear, but it's not easy. I did not want to live because I did not know how to stop doing what I was doing. And I knew what it was doing to my parents. So, I sat down on the end of my bed one night and I stuck a 44 Magnum in my mouth. I got to tell you something. I told you I wasn't going to disrespect my parents. Now, I'm going to tell you why I didn't pull the trigger. Because I had a daddy that taught me to respect. I pulled the hammer back. Now, I'm talking two pounds of pressure and my head's missing. And I wouldn't do it because I couldn't bear the thought of my mom and my dad finding their baby boy. That's the only reason that I didn't do that. I'm not telling you I was in that moment, telling you I'm proud I was in that moment. I think it's awful that I was in that moment but I feel like there may be someone in this room, you're in that moment, and you need to understand there's a God in heaven that loves you. And Jesus died for you. And, he, and Jesus is alive, and he's alive in many people in this room. So that was about, that was, I think I was about 17 when that happened. Of course, I didn't tell anybody, because I'm thinking, my dad... If I tell my dad I did this, you know, I had, I had, that was when you could still whoop a kid. Some of y'all don't know. You should have known. But you don't know. Anyway, that's a different, that's a parenting sermon. So fast forward 17, 18, I get out of high school. 
I'm not sure if I graduated or they just like said, here, give him this and tell him to get away. Just You go now. And I actually started working with my dad traveling, which you would think would be a good thing. And it was in a way, it was great because I was with my dad. But now I had a really good job. And if you have a problem and you have a really good job and you got money in your pocket, now you really, man, we got a major problem. Like I'm spun completely out. So I could tamp it down while I was working because I'm with him. We're staying in a hotel room. And so I could, we would get, we would buy alcohol and, uh, you know, I would just destroy it and go to bed because I knew if I just did that and went to bed, I'd be okay. But when I came home, I was reckless. Uh, You know, I don't know how much of this I've shared at our church and we've got some of our church people here and they may be like, you know, we're going to find us another place to go. <laughs> this dude's crazy. I, I, would leave, I would leave my house. I, I still lived at home. And I would leave my house. I would get a fifth of bourbon. I'd take the lid off, throw it out the window. Because the lid, there was no need for the lid anymore. Again, I'm not telling you this because I'm proud of it. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand the power of God and how he can deliver you. I, I drank bourbon like most people drink water. I would just turn it up and drink it. Throw the bottle out the window. See, I... To tell you it's a miracle I'm standing here is an understatement. I've been in predicaments where I thought, well, this is it. I'm out. There's no, there's no coming back from this. Grown men standing with a pistol in your face with the hammer cock shaking and the thought going through your mind is, I'm done. It's over. Why did he not pull the trigger? I don't know, but I'm glad he didn't because I'd have split hell wide open. Fast forward to, let's say, 20 years old, Sue and I meet. We're together for a little bit, then we're apart. And now I'm, now I'm really coming unwound because she was the one thing in life that made sense to me. And I loved her, and we were not together. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm not going to sit on the end of the bed and blow my brains out, but I'm done. I'll just drink myself to death. We were apart, what, seven months? We got back together. I'm, I weigh, at that point now, I probably weigh 130 pounds. You know, when you're on a liquid diet, you don't, I would run all night and then I'd work all day. I'd run all night and work all day. We get, she comes back into my life and, and I, you know, she's like, we're going to go run around, do whatever. And she drank a little bit then. And, uh, I, you know, I told her, I said, look, I, th- this has become a problem. Like, and she said, oh, okay, it's no, 
I can handle it. I said, okay. And we hadn't been together long. She said, hey, I can't, I can't do this. Like, this is, you're killing yourself. So I said, she said, I can't do that. I can't stay here and watch you do this. I'm saying, and I said, so you're saying we can't be together if I don't quit. And she said, that's right. I said, then I'll quit. Well, I didn't understand what I just said. So, you know, don't jump up and clap yet. Yeah. She said, what? I said, if you'll help me, I'll quit. You know, you can, you can, you have a will to will yourself to do some stuff. But if you don't have Jesus going with your will, you'll run out of will. So she tries to help me. And I went through it all. I mean, listen, I know, I know people say that man. I'll tell you how bad I'd gotten. I drank so much that I had sores from all the yeast and sugar in my body. What you just said was so important. Well, I just have a glass of wine. Yeah, till trouble comes. Well, I just drank one beer, preacher. Yeah, till trouble comes, till the wife walks out. Now it's a six-pack of case. I, I Look, don't talk to me about, oh, I just casual drink, whatever. You casually sin, call it what it is. So, Anyway, you know, I can't do it. I'm, I mean, I'm shaking. I'm flipping out. I think she's got alcohol in the house, the whole deal. We're married now. Let's just get up to that point. And I'm doing pretty good. Like I'm teetering. Not saved, just married. And uh, so I start slipping. Guys come over, you know, I'm going to have a drink with them. Next thing you know, I'm drinking them under the table again, and I, I can feel it. Like, I know, I, I know where I'm headed, and I can't stop it. Like, I know, I'm, I know what's happening, and I can't make it stop. I, I, I don't have the power. Like, the will is gone. It, it's becoming a major issue again. And... I, I didn't go to church. I didn't want to go to church. I did not like church people. I wanted nothing to do with church because I looked at church as just some place where people go on Sunday to feel good because I would run around with them. What I, what I, what I did not understand was there's a difference in a real Christian and a churchgoer. It's a major difference. And some of you may be real Christians and some of you may be churchgoers. If you're just a churchgoer, you won't last. You won't last. Times are going to get too dark for you to make it. So you need to step over the line and become a real Christian. Like a real go for it, I'm going to die for this kind of believer. Amen? So we have, I go on a trip, a business trip with a guy. And this, this man knew me. I grew up with his son. He knew everything about me. And we go about, it's about uh, 
six to eight hour drive. And uh, so we're on this drive and he's talking to me about the Lord. But he's not talking about what I'm doing. He's not talking about my sin or my life or my any of that because he knew. He just starts telling me about the Lord. He starts talking to me about how good God had been to him. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting over there riding, you know, and uh, what brain I had left was thinking. And I'm like, hmm. And he's, he's telling me about the Lord. And he goes, he, he said, you know, I have a business and it's a very successful business. He said, I wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for the Lord. And then he just starts telling me all these things that happened in his life, his marriage and what God did for him, his kid. I mean, all these things. And he's telling me about the goodness of God. You know, it is the goodness of God that draws all men to repentance. So he's, so he's telling me this all the way to the place we go to. He does his business. We get back in the truck. What are you going to do? No cell phones. He didn't. It's talk. You talk like people used to talk. It's kind of amazing, really. And uh, all the way back, he's telling me about the Lord and the goodness of God. Thinking, if that's God, I'm in. Because that ain't church. You understand what I'm saying? Not a, not a religious institution. He's talking about a God that cares about me. So I come home. I did not know. <laughs> His son had stopped by the house and was witnessing to Sue. They didn't know this. It was the Holy Ghost and they didn't even know it, right? They didn't go to a church that even knew the Holy Ghost was living. You understand? But that's all right. They loved God and they loved people. You know, I've seen people that knew the Holy Ghost and didn't love people at all. So don't, don't get it mixed up. So, she said, well, he don't want to go to church. He don't want nothing to do with church. She was telling the truth. He said, have you ever asked him where he wanted to go? Because Sue would go to church. She wasn't saved, but she would go to church. It was people like her. Why, I didn't want to go to church. <laughs> I'm going to go to church. Why? Why are you going to go to, like, why are you going to go to church? We don't even, we don't live like that. I mean, I just, here's the thing. Just be true. If you're going to live like hell, at least be good at it. But if you're going to live for God, be good at that. Don't get in the middle. In the middle is where you get messed up totally. I mean, for crying out loud, you'll still go to hell in the middle. You might as well just, you know, anyway. So, I, I said, uh, I want to go to church. She said, you do? I said, I do. She said, where do you want to go? I said, I want to go where they go. She said, okay. So we went. Now, this is the first time we went, the guy preaching, the first time. The, the, so the first time we go, the guy that's preaching, it's his first sermon. He ain't even the pastor. I'm ticked off. I'm like, really? And I know you. I'm thinking, man, I actually, you know, put some effort into getting here. 
And this guy, this guy, that's some, what some of y'all are thinking. <laughs> he, he walks up to the pulpit. Now, we'd had a conversation the night before, a pretty long conversation. And at the end of it, Sue said, we need to pray. I said, okay, let's pray. She said, you pray. I said, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. There's people that don't know how to pray. We get so used to our life that we forget there are people that don't know one thing about living for God. They don't know how to pray. Are you kidding me? I mean, a lot of people, people all over the world pray, but when you pray to a dead God, it doesn't do any good. We're talking about praying to a living God with a living son with a Holy Ghost that's wanting to move on the inside of someone when they believe. So we go to church. He gets up. He gets all of his stuff out, you know, and uh, he says, I mean, right off the bat, shuts his Bible. I don't know much about this, but I think you need that. I'm on the back row too, by the way. No offense, but I was ready to leave. And if it got out of hand too much, you know, we can fist fight. That's fine. Whatever. Don't judge me. I'm scrappy. So he walks around the pulpit and he stops and he puts his elbow on the pulpit and he leans down. This guy's fixing to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and he don't have a clue nor does anyone else in the room except for the Holy Ghost. But I read later after I got a Bible that God used a donkey. So we're all capable. Amen. He said, I don't really know why I'm doing this. This is not what I prepared, but I feel like this is the Lord. And he preached the entire conversation we'd had the night before, and I was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Why was I in? Because it was a sign and a wonder to the one guy in the room who had made, I'd already kind of made that decision, I'm gonna follow, I wanna go after God. If, if the God this guy's telling me about is the God of heaven, I wanna be, I wanna follow him. So when he starts saying all that, I'm thinking, okay, dude, shut up, I've heard enough. I'm ready, like I'm ready. I, I wanna get whatever I gotta get. I'll, I'm coming to the altar when they play just as I am and I'm getting saved, amen. So he gets done, again, first sermon, first time out of the gate, here I come. I went around the back of the pew. I don't know church protocol, I don't know anything. I start down the middle aisle, I'm headed right at him. And I'm not sure what he was thinking. <laughs> and, uh, you know, everybody in the room's looking like, dear God, what's about to happen? And, uh, I, I, you know, I got down there and he goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, dude, I need to get saved. He said, okay. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know. If you don't know it, I sure don't know. You're the preacher. You ought to know something, like a little bit. You don't have to know the whole Bible, but I mean, anyway. So 
He said, well, we need to pray. I said, okay, let's do that. So we get, we get down to pray. He goes, okay, you're going to need to pray. I said, dude, I don't know how to pray. I said, man, I need help. I'm thinking, man, I don't want to live like this no more. He said, okay, then you just say what I say. I said, okay. So he prays, I pray, and man, I'm like, oh my God, what just happened to me? I stood up, he goes, now you're gonna need to tell everybody. I said, I don't have no problem telling people anything. So I turn around, everybody's looking. <laughs> She's looking, I'm looking, everybody's shocked. He said, okay, tell them what happened. I said, I just got born again. Or I said saved, I didn't know born again. I said, I just got saved, I just gave my life to Jesus. And they're all like, <laughs> amen? That was in 1994. And I would love to tell you that everything changed. But it didn't. Everything in here changed. But there was a lot of stuff that did not change. Like my thought life. There's a lot of things. And if you've been around church a while, you understand what I'm saying. I did not know that I could read the Bible. I'd been told I couldn't read the Bible. You can't read the Bible because you can't understand the Bible. No one can understand the Bible, so I didn't get a Bible. I just went back to church because I thought that's what Christian people do. So basically, I had a form of behavior modification. I would go sit in church, sing the songs they would sing. I mean, I can't sing, but I would sing. I'm like, I'm happy. I don't understand what is wrong with you people. Every one of you look like you've been baptized in pickle juice and nobody looks happy. I'm happy. Like I'm not going to hell. That's, that's what I knew about salvation. I'm like, I'm not going to hell and I don't know how y'all aren't happy because y'all say you're not going, but I'm not convinced. Because I know I'm not going. So finally, Sue, she bought me a Bible for something, birthday or I don't know what it was. And I thought, I don't know why she got me this. She can't read it. So finally one day I just thought, you know what? I'm going to go against the grain. It's pretty much what I've always done. I'm going to read this thing. So I just cracked it open and started reading it. And I didn't understand it. But then I heard somebody say that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. He can help you understand. Okay, I said, uh, Lord, now I know all you Canal students, God bless you that it's me here tonight. But I just want you to see how simple life can really be. I said, Lord, now you wrote this book and they tell me that the Holy Spirit lives in me. So I'm asking you, when I read this book, help me understand it man, a whole new world opened up. Yeah, and then we got really, really bold and, brought, and bought a Strong's Concordance. And let me tell you, Greek and Hebrew is rough on a hillbilly. Like I barely speak English and some would say I don't. And that's like, 
So I, at this time, I was working away from home, and when I would come home on my days off, I would, I would sit in my chair all day with a Bible. Oh, man. And a Strong's Concordance. And I would just start tearing verses apart, and I'm like, they don't know Jesus like this. They don't. Sue would come home and work. I'd like, babe, listen to what I found today. Listen to this, and listen to this, and then listen to this, and now listen to this. I'm like, they don't know God like this. I'm telling you, they don't know God like this. If they knew God like this, they would be more happy. They are not happy. God is amazing. So then I'm probably going to read some scripture before this is over, I promise. But he said testimony, so I'm just giving you all of it. So, you know, I would find out what Jesus did in here, and I'm like, I don't know why we're not seeing this. So they would say, hey, so-and-so sick, do you want to pray for him? Yes. Yes, I do. I do want to pray for him. Now, again, not baptized in the Holy Ghost. They Listen. Listen. <laughs> you talk about baptizing the Holy Ghost there, it's a problemo. So I said, yeah, I want to pray for him. They said, well, we're going to anoint him with oil. Okay. Now, my idea of that's pouring the whole jug on your head. Their idea is... Okay, whatever. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to pray. And you know, the people are just sitting there looking at you. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, be healed. They're like, that's it. I'm like, I guess. <laughs> you feel any different? I actually do feel better. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I just know what Jesus said. Believers will lay hands, got two of them, on the sick, you're sick, and they will recover. Get up! I, I don't know. Anyway, you know, praise the Lord. So, then I'd heard this prayer. Oh, they'd pray. Oh, they'd pray. And then they'd say, if it be your will, Lord. Y'all heard that too, huh? I'm like, well, I prayed that way because I didn't know any better. But then I started reading that book and I started finding out they don't know his will. So I was in that chair one day because they would say this is the way Jesus prayed in the garden. So okay, so let's go to the garden. I want to see what he said. So I went over there and started reading that story. Now, and I just, again, I, I just said, Lord, I don't know, some of y'all are probably real holy-like when you talk to God. I'm just like, uh, you know, this. I just, he's our father. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not being irreverent. I'm just saying, you know, if you, oh, thou most holy God, that sits between the cherubim and... Oh. Just get to the point. Just get to the point. So I said, they tell me this is why they pray that way. Because Jesus prayed that way. And this is like the first time that I really ever heard the voice of God on the inside of me. 
He said, he knew my will, they don't. Duly noted. So I tell Sue, I'm like, simple. They don't know his will. She goes, what? I said, they don't know his will. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, that's what the Lord told me today in that chair right over there, that, that they don't know his will, but Jesus did. And we can find out what his will is in this book. You know, his word is his will. I, I, did, I would love it if church people would just quit arguing about what God, I don't know if that's the Lord's will. Did Jesus do it? Yes. Okay, it's his will. Well, it's not that easy. Actually, it is that easy. You would really need somebody to mess it up for you. Because Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus Christ is the express image of God. That, in other words, he, he was the light of God, the very character of God. And whatever you see Jesus doing, he's doing what the Father does. So if Jesus laid hands on sick people and they got well, you should. If Jesus told devils to leave people, you should. If Jesus walked on water, well, I mean, try it. At least give it a shot. Why not? I have walked on water. It was frozen, but I walked on it. You got to start somewhere. Amen. Then I started finding out in the Bible that I could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I started finding out all these things that I was now because I was in Christ. So I'm like, if that's who I am, things are about to change. Amen. So they did. Then in 2000, I knew I was called to preach, which I thought he got the wrong number, but whatever. So I just started, I just started preaching. I didn't know. He said, preach. Okay, I'll preach. People started saying, hey, will you come preach for us? Sure, I'll come preach for you. And I would go to churches where they, uh, you know, they don't believe like we'd believe. Don't tell nobody. And I just, I would just open the Bible up and start firing it. And I'm like, God is a healer. God delivers. God wants to do it for you now. I'd give an altar call. I'd say, anybody want to be healed? No takers? They'd all just sit there and look at you. I'm like, okay then. I, then every once in a while, somebody would get up and come to the altar. And we were in a church one night, and this lady comes walking up to the altar. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about, I just, I'm praying for you. I'm putting my hands on you and telling whatever's in you to leave. Because it's not God's will for it to be there. And that's what you need to understand tonight. Everybody that's registered to be over in these pools, if you're getting them for sickness, know this. Jesus took stripes so you could be whole. And you need to understand, well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the Lord. No, he's already done it. By his stripes, you were healed. And Peter confirmed again and said, you are healed. So you're in the middle. If you were and you are, you is. So just have it. Just have it. Just be that. Be, you are saved. You are healed. You are delivered. Just be what God says you are. Just be that. Just be healed. Well, it's not that easy. Yes, it is. It is. Don't argue with me in that tone of your face. It is that easy. It is that easy to be delivered. It is that easy to be set free. Oh, I've had this for 20 years. Don't have it another day. Don't have it any longer. Get rid of it right now. By faith, receive what God has said in his word and be made whole. 
Church attendance don't cut it. By faith. By faith. By faith. So that lady comes walking down the aisle and uh, she tells us what's wrong with her. So we pray for her and her legs get wobbly. And I'm thinking, if this woman hits the floor, it's over. We didn't have microphones. You know, it's a little church. You just go in there and scream. I still scream, but now I scream way louder. And I said, Sue, don't let her fall. They'll run us out of here. Just hold up. Set her down. Set her down. Just set her down. So we just kind of pushed her while she's wobbling and set her on the front row. You know, I was used to handling drunks, so whatever. Sit down. She's all wobbly. I said, well, you know, I like to check. Because if you didn't get it on the first shot, we'll give you another one. Well, you feel any different? She said, I do. I said, you do? She goes, yeah. Well, see, I'd already got messed up because I'd already been listening to faith preachers. I said, do you feel any better? She goes, yeah. I said, do something you couldn't do then. So, man, she starts moving her head and throwing her arms. I said, you feel better? She said, oh, I don't hurt at all. She said, I mean, I feel good. So we're off to the races now. So now there's more people. Hey, could you pray for me? Yes. So everywhere we went, people were like, hey, could you pray for me? Yes. I, it, I, don't, I don't have any magic tricks. I just have a Bible and Jesus on the inside and I'll let him out if you give me half a chance. Amen. So you're saying it earlier about, you know, speak the name of Jesus, speak the name of Jesus, speak the name of Jesus. How about this? You can speak the name of Jesus, but when you show up, he shows up. And I'm gonna tell you something. The devil don't know any difference between you and Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father because you're in him. That trip up any church people? Because they wanna, they wanna believe like God's some far off cosmic figure that we're waiting. Hopefully he'll drop something out of heaven on us. No, God is in us by the Holy Ghost and we are in Jesus. We are in him, the righteousness of God in him. When you get born again, you're righteous whether you want to be or not because you just change locations. You're in him now. You are the righteousness of God in him. So if Jesus lives in you and we're the hands and feet of Jesus, then some of y'all need to get your feet in gear and start going and doing what God has already told you to do and you're waiting on some kind of sign from God. He told you that's the sign. Get up and start moving. Oh yeah, the hand claps start running out on that like you're at a golf tournament because people don't, people want to let somebody else do it. They want to let everybody on the front row do it. And I'm telling you, we need some back row people to get in the game. Amen. You crazy for the devil, let's get crazy for Jesus. Amen. Some of you in this room are born again and I'm telling you before this night's over, you need to give your life to Jesus. And don't, listen, and the Christians in the room don't need to be the Christians that pretend like hell doesn't exist. Because it does. It's a very real place and people are going there that don't know Jesus. Amen. Over in Luke, let's go to Luke 16. I've got to be quick. The rich man and Lazarus. The rich man winds up in in hell, not because he was rich. 
People want to, yeah, see that, reach it. Shut up. Can you say that here? I just did. I don't know. It's not the riches didn't put him there. How many of you know you can go to hell broke? That has nothing to, your financial status has nothing to do with where you spend eternity. Not one thing. So he winds up there and then, you know, he, the Bible says, I'm not gonna read it all because I don't have time for real. He, he said, he prayed. I pray thee, Father Abraham. I pray thee. In other words, now all of a sudden, he's got the commission of Jesus in his life. Too late. There are Christians in this room. You're letting opportunities slip by you every day. and Somebody's walking off into eternity without Jesus. And listen, standing before God with blood running through your fingers is not what you He used to be an old man, lived across the street from us. He was rough. My gosh, he was rough. I'd go over there and talk to him. I was young in the Lord, and I couldn't muster up the courage to tell him about Jesus. He died. His daughter stood in our house, tears running down her face. Now it was her granddaughter and said I don't know if he did meanwhile across the street two people that say they love Jesus I was too chicken because I was afraid of what he might say I pray he got it right he didn't. I'll answer for it. I'm not proud of that. Believe me. That's not what you want. When that man in that pit looked up and he said, I pray thee. You know, that's the same word. I'm sure you do. Do you know that's the same word that Jesus used when he said, I'm going to pray to the Father that he sends you another comforter? It's strong language. This man's crying out saying, I pray thee, Father Abraham, just like Jesus said, he's gonna pray to the Father. He's gonna make a request to the Father. He's gonna beseech the Father. He's gonna make a cry to God to send us another comforter. All right, Caneo students. It's in the Strong's. I did this just for you, so you're welcome. Under ask, 23 times, beseech 14 times, pray 14 times, desire six times, entreat one time. He made, a, he made a plea to Father Abraham and a plea that could not be heard by the people on earth. All of a sudden he now has a passion for the lost, but it's a passion he can't do anything with. We need to develop a passion for the lost like their last minute is ticking right now. Amen. Amen. He cried out. He called out. He, the, the cry that he was given when he cried out, the Bible says he cried out. It was a call for one to quit where they were 
and come to another place. Quit where you're at and come to another place. And really, that's what Jesus, I believe, was doing through that man in that pickup that day. He was crying out for me in one place to come to another place. He was calling from heaven for me to come to another place. And I'm telling you, he's calling to some of you tonight to come to another place. He's calling for lost people to come to another place. He's calling for backslidden people to come to another place. He's calling for fence-riding Christians to come to another place. I'm telling you, we live in an hour and a day where you better get it right and you better get it now. You better live it right and you better live it now. This book I hold in my hand is not a far-off tale. It's a right-now word from a right-now God, and you need Jesus right now. You don't need to wait till tomorrow. You don't need to put it off another day. You need Jesus right now. And if you're living backslidden, you need to repent and come to God right now. Amen. Amen. Come on all over this room. I want you to stand to your feet. I had more. If you don't use it all, they might have you back, so... I want everybody to bow your heads. I'm not, I'm not drawing this out. I'm, you know, sometimes we as preachers, and I, and I get why we do it, we, man, we milk altar calls, trying to get people. Look, cut through the garbage. You know in your heart if you don't know Jesus. I knew. I knew I was going to hell. I knew. I met a man that cared enough to tell me about a God that loved me. You know the only God I'd heard about was a God that hated me, was a God that wanted to kill me, was a God that wanted nothing to do with me. And then a man told me about a God that loved me. I'm telling you, the God of heaven loves you more than you can imagine. So much that he sent Jesus into the earth. Jesus surrendered his throne, his power to come into the earth, to put on flesh, to live in the same world you live in, to be tempted the same way you're tempted. You said, well, they didn't have what we've got now. Well, no, he was tempted in every area you will ever be tempted in when he was in the wilderness lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It's the three categories that everything falls in that you'll ever be tempted with. Jesus knows. He understands where we are. But he doesn't want to leave you there. That's why he died on a cross. So if you're in this room and you're not saved, you're, you're in a position like I was in and you know you don't know Jesus and you're, you're not going to spend eternity in heaven. You don't get to go because you came to church. You don't get to go because you came here with your family to graduate Caneo and you hung out in church for a whole day. That don't get you to heaven. Laying your life down, repenting of sin and accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. He died on a cross for you and all the blood he shed washed away all your sin. You can live for him. I'm telling you, you can live for him. I got saved in 1994. I don't regret one day of it. 
Not one minute, not one second, not one nanosecond, none of it. I don't have a regret one living for God. I say, well, have you ever gone through some rough stuff? Oh, yeah, but I found something out. When, when the enemy attacks you, you're on hell's radar, which is a good thing. I want to do enough stuff for God before I go to heaven that they're having board meetings in hell trying to figure out how to stop me. You know, we're going to have to do something. What we did the last time didn't work. He's just getting stronger. Yeah, it's because he won't shut up praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why. We can't, and they can't do nothing about that. Devil can't do nothing about that. If you're in this room and you're lost and you don't know Jesus, you're in this room and you're backslidden, and you know it because you feel conviction. In fact, if I wanted to really get there, I could probably start walking around the room and just start pointing you out. You know who you are. And you need to get to this altar right now. Don't put it off no more. Get down here. You need to give your life to God. You need to get to this altar. Those with courage need to come first. That way the ones that don't have as much yet will come. Come on. Praise the Lord. Come on, who else? Come on, who else? Who else? You're backslidden and you know you need to get it right. So man, I'm embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Be repentant. Come on. There's more and I know there's more. Come on, get it right. Some of you are leaders in churches and you need to be down here on your face before the Lord because you're living in secret sin. Uh-oh. You know what I love about the power of God? You don't, no one told them to kneel. That's what happens when you get before the Lord. You, you just want to get low before God. Don't miss your opportunity. If you're watching online anywhere in the world, no matter where you are, you may be in a time zone that's 10 hours ahead of us, 12 hours ahead of us. You may live in a country that's controlled by a regime that hates God, the true living God. I'm telling you, if you hear this message and you're pricked in your heart that you need to know Jesus, you need to get down on your knees right now, repent of sin, confess Jesus Christ as Lord and give him all of your life and go after him with everything. Find, find a Christian somewhere where you live. Tell them you just gave your life to God. Amen. If you have letter A, already registered and you have letter A. Who, who's helping me up here? Colin. If you have letter A, I want you to make your way to the platform to, on my right side. I don't want to start talking about too many rights and lefts because then I'll get them all mixed up. To my right, Colin will take care of you. 
I'm going to come pray with all of you in just a moment. I want every one of you that are going to get in this water, I want you to understand something. You're going to meet God there. You are going to meet God there. It's not, I hope something happens. I'm telling you, you're going to meet God there. You're going to meet God there. It's going to be the most life-changing moment you've ever had with God. It'll be so supernatural. You won't eat, Your brain won't be able to, and this is for all of you that are getting in. Your brain can't compute what God can do in here. It just can't. It's not possible. And people have tried to wrap their head around God and put God in this box, and look where it's got us all. Look where it's gotten the church in this country. It tried to rationalize who God is. You can't rationalize who God is. He's God, and he's God all by himself. I'm excited for everybody getting in this water tonight because you are going to get a miracle, whatever that miracle is for you. Amen. All right, everybody that's down here praying, I want you to look up at me. I want you to understand something. This is the greatest thing you've ever done in your entire life. It's the greatest thing you've ever done. There is no one like God. No one. Jesus paid for every bit of our sin. All of it. All of it. And you can live for him. I'm telling you, if a backwards kid from a podunk town who was an alcoholic, who hated church people, can give his life to God and God call him to preach and then go in places all over the world. Go into places where they've never seen anybody that looks like me and tell them about Jesus. So you think I'll do that? I don't know, maybe. I may be looking at the next Billy Graham for all I know. I could be looking at the next Catherine Kuhlman for I don't know who I'm looking at. But I'm looking at I'm looking at seven people that are going to give their life to Jesus and make an impact in this earth. I mean, don't hold back. Go after God with everything. Make the devil pay. To the glory of God and the shame of the devil. The devil is a bum, I'm telling you. For all of you watching online, he's a bum. The devil is a bum. And all the religious people can just line up. Jesus is alive. He knows you by name. Every one of you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just like that man did me. I'll give you the words, but I want you to give them the meaning. And then you need to, the next step you need to take is to get registered to get in this water tonight and bury that old life. So I didn't bring any clothes. They've got them. They've got them. You can go home in the same dry clothes that you came in. God wants to do a work in your life. Get in that water tonight. Wash that old life away. Get filled with the Holy Ghost then go after God with everything. I mean, go into the places that no one else wants to go and you tell them about our Jesus. You tell them about our friend. He's my friend. You understand? 
He's my friend. He sticks so close to me. He's never run out on me. He's so good to me. God is so good to me. He's so good to me. I don't deserve anything he's ever done for me. And he did it anyway. And he said, you're my son. He said, you're my son. I don't have an earthly parent now. They're in heaven. I made sure of it. I made sure they would go. Just like I'm making sure I want you to go. No one should miss heaven. Are you kidding me? No one should miss that place. It's the greatest place ever. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no, I mean, there's no pain of any kind. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no hatred. There's no racism. There's no bad talking about people. There's no backbiting. There's no stealing. There's no lying. There's no any, you know, none of that. You go into your mansion, don't lock the door. There's no need. Ain't nobody coming to get nothing. Amen. Heaven is great. Hell is awful. Hell is full of torment. No one should go there. And you're not going. You're going to heaven. You don't have to hurry, but you're going after this night. Amen. Right out loud, right out of your own mouth where you can hear it. Say, Heavenly Father, right now, I repent of all sin and I commit my life to following you. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for me and that his blood washes all my sin away. I believe right now that I'm born again, that I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Seven newborn babies up here, y'all be going, ooh, ah, babies. There is, they're right here. They're newborn. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now go get you some people. Go win you some people. Go tell some people about Jesus. Amen. Jesus. I don't like the devil. So we're going to make him pay. We got one last run to the end of this thing. So make it count. Make your life count for God. Amen. Can I get some altar workers to help them the next move they got to make? I know Pastor Todd said back there in the back, tonight would be all over the place. I feel like I've accomplished that. I heard one guy say he preached like a fat man hung in a barbed wire fence, a point here and a point there and a point here. That's kind of how I do. I'm telling you, I, you, you just got to understand, if you ever get the revelation of how much God loves you, you won't ever stop serving him. You won't ever stop telling people about it. It's like you can't quit. We prayed for a lady the other day in the park. I'm walking around and they come walking by. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna pray for her. I just start talking to them. Look, I'm not, I'm not the best one-on-one guy, but I know Jesus. And he's pretty good one-on-one. So just start talking. Something good's gonna come out at some point. So we pray. 
Then, I, then I'm in a store the other day and I start talking to a girl that, at the counter. She was checking me out. She, uh, not checking me out, but you understand. Man. That's what happens when you talk a lot. Some things don't come out right. She is uh, ringing up my bill. Say that. She goes, so what do you do? She goes, do you preach? Because she'd heard some, somebody else in the store. And I said, yeah, that's what I do. Oh, yeah? Said, yeah, go all over the place doing it. Telling people about the Lord. So I just started talking to her. And I said, I know a great church here. Christ Fellowship. I said, if you go right out this door and go right out there to that street, you go to the next light and take a left. And then you take another left and you're in the parking lot. You need to go there. I don't live in your city. Everybody in this city should know about Christ Fellowship Church. Everybody in this city should know. Everybody in your city should know about your church. Amen. I'm, I'm gonna have to stop. It, you know, it's hard to stop an 18-wheeler. They just wanna keep running. Thank you, Lord. She said, I love you. I love this place. My whole world got changed right over there on that floor at the Pastors and Leaders Conference. One more thing. Can I just do one more thing real quick? Can you put, can you put up the uh, uh, Pastors and Leaders Conference? Do not miss this. Do not miss this. Do whatever you have to do, but don't miss this. So I don't have any more time to take off work. Figure it out with the boss. You can start working on him right now. It's important. We came to this two years ago be three years this year. I didn't want to go to any more conferences. This was part of my testimony. Real quick. I didn't want to go to any more conferences. I was done with them. I don't care how far apart the chairs got to be. I don't care where the lights need to be. I don't care about any of that. I'm tired of hearing about it because it's not changing anybody. I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm, I'm tired of going to the same thing. Pastor, and I'd already told Sarah, I said, I'm not going to that. Pastor Karen walked up here. She started talking about the conference that year. And she said, it's not like any conference you've ever been to. It's an impartation. I looked at Sue. I said, we're coming. She goes, I thought you said we're coming. I know what I said, but now I'm saying we're coming here. She goes, well, we got this. I said, I don't care. I don't care if I got to drive all night. It doesn't matter. We are going to be here. And that night that my life changed, Jeremiah Johnson, Prophet Jeremiah, spoke I can't tell you what he said that, you know these people say hey I heard a sermon back 1947 I can tell you I'm like whatever praise the Lord I can't I can't tell you anything he said but at some point during the sermon I took a lap around this building I'm not sure why but it felt like the right thing to do like I feel like running I'm gonna run and I was sitting right over there. 
Just about, just about where you're at. And somewhere during the message, I got up and come to the altar. I don't, I don't come to the altar during the middle of a message. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I didn't do it. And some of y'all saw it happen. I head dove into the altar. For over an hour. It's like God took my heart and just mashed it. He tore stuff out of me and put stuff in. And I repented for stuff I didn't even know. I, you know, it's like it's there and you don't even, you don't know. It's crammed down somewhere. And I had moments of overwhelming joy. I had moments of agony where he was stripping stuff off of me. I had moments where I thought if I open my eyes, I'm gonna die because God's standing right in front of me. I was afraid. There is a reverent fear of God. I'm telling you, I was afraid. I was afraid I was gonna die right there. I thought, this is it. I'm gonna die on this floor. I'm not getting up. Like I'm physically. You know, they tell you around here to die well. Like, that's great. I thought I was gonna die. And I'm like, if I could get under the carpet, I would. I was trying to hide. How many of you understand what I'm saying? You're trying to get away from the presence of God. It's like so much, yet you don't want to get away because it's so pure. I don't, I've I've spent two years unpacking what happened and I'll I'll be praying in the spirit and then all of a sudden God will tell me something and he'll, he'll point back to that. Oh, what I'm saying is one moment with God can give you a lifetime One moment. And you'll have that moment tonight in these waters. Amen? I love you.